Welcome to Order Up, the restaurant operations podcast brought to you by Ops Analytica. Hey, this is Tommy from Ops Analytica. I'm going to throw some stats at you really quickly. These come from McKinsey, by the way. Uh, Data-driven organizations are not only 23 times more likely to acquire customers, they are also six times as likely to retain those customers and 19 times more likely to be profitable. The fact of the matter is, is that the restaurant industry has done an amazing job getting sales data out of POS systems, but where they have a gigantic black hole is understanding what's actually happening in their daily operations, the thing that actually generates sales that go into the POS system, by the way, um, they have no clue what's happening. The fact of the matter is, is that the that data-driven decisions about your operations are no longer a luxury. We can no longer back into how well our business is operating by looking at KPIs that have nothing to do with operations. And we need the ability to look at real-time operations data about every single location. Um, and we need to use that data to make better decisions, to identify problems we didn't even know we had, and to solve those problems quickly. And that's what Ops Analytica can help you do. Check us out at OpsAnalytica.com. What up, Order Up Show podcast listeners. I keep saying I'm going to get something new to say, but I say the same thing every time. I'm a creature of habit, people. Hey, I got another interview for you today. I'm super excited to welcome uh, James Carso. James, how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm, I'm doing great. I appreciate the invite, Tommy. Oh, of course. Now, James and I uh, have been introduced by another like master uh, introduction guy, uh, a friend of ours out of California. And then we've uh, been on a bunch of calls together. And uh, I was just dying to get him on the show to have him talk to you guys about what he does um, as a service provider for the hospitality industry. Um, so that's why James is on today. So James, uh, as we talked about earlier, we do the same five questions every show. I'm going to get to that first question now because it's my, the most interesting one. Tell me what you do today and then take me through your career progression from your first job to how you got there. All right. Well, thanks, Tommy. Be glad to do that for you. Today, I'm actually uh, working in business development for a company called uh, NetSurian. Naturian's a managed endpoint security provider. So we're in the cybersecurity space. And some of our customers include brands like Dairy Queen, Zaxby's, Firehouse Subs. But we also work with uh, customers in other highly regulated areas, um, banks, hospitals, even the federal government. So my job uh, is really to oversee uh, partner uh, relationships. That means I do a lot of networking, as uh, Tommy had suggested. Um, namely with other technology companies, whether it be, you know, independent software vendors like Ops Analytica or value-added resellers. And the goal is just to make sure that uh, the technology plays well with others and therefore uh, improve the customer experience. So I've been working in the restaurant uh, segment for over 20 years, actually. I started delivering pizzas when I was 16. And since then, I've bust served, bartended, I've opened new restaurants, and I've even managed. Um, after completing uh, my master's degree, I started working on the vendor side, mainly selling marketing technology, pivoted to cybersecurity a couple of years ago when I uh, accepted the role here at NetSurian. Cool. So, talk to, so you're saying cybersecurity, right? 
But like, let's break that down. Uh, get get a little bit more granular than cybersecurity. Like, talk about what it is exactly you're doing and, and the, what you're doing at these restaurants and stuff. Sure. So every uh, you know brick and mortar retail chain that has a point of sale and accepts payments, um, generally speaking, needs to be PCI compliant. Um, so this is it's 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 a regulatory framework. Um, so that's kind of the the baseline um, function of what we would do at the at the very basic level. So we're going to make sure that our customers are going to be um, PCI compliant in in some way, shape, or form. PCI compliance is a very broad kind of framework. So you know we operate within a a segment of that, and the segment that we really focus on is the endpoint. Um, we either um, we can manage. Uh, a firewall, or we also manufacture our own firewall, which can be self-managed. But generally speaking, um, unless you're a really large organization, um, you know, outsourcing the management of your firewall just makes a lot of sense. Um, so, you know, most of our customers, we're going to be managing their firewall for them, which just basically means it's zero trust. So nothing that isn't uh, pre-approved is going to access the network. And that's why it's really important that we work well with third parties, because, you know, as a uh, as we're managing the network, um, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, if the URL is, is adjusted um, or something like that, that we're in lockstep with our partners so that, you know, none of their technology um, goes down. So, OK, so for you guys out there in the restaurant, you have your you have all your POSs. Let's just say you're a, a traditional POS in your restaurant you have wired pos's that are going to the back office into a computer right uh does that firewall sit on that pc or does it sit at the router level uh going out from like where does it sit in that chain i guess you know it it can vary um sometimes the network configuration is you know less complex than others sometimes we just have customers or we just lock down the the point of sale Sure. Um, so it's really gonna gonna vary based on uh, on the customer's you know kind of need or just the way they've been doing things. So we're pretty flexible um, in that regard. But there's another kind of innovation that we've come across recently that I think is important to mention, and that would be LTE failover. And we've talked about that um, you know before. But within the the firewall that we manufacture, it has a built-in access point well as built-in cellular failover. So if the ISP, the internet, were ever to go offline, that cellular failover kicks in um, within a matter, within less than a second. And um, all of the third-party applications, point of sale, payments, online ordering loyalty continue to function business as usual. Yeah, so basically to sum up for you guys that might not be technical, what James's company does, Naturian does, is they will help protect your network. So that people trying to hack into your POS system to steal credit card data or to get in there and enter, it might not be stealing credit card data off of the actual like hard disk, right? Because that data is generally encrypted, but it could be just trying to hack into your network so that it can listen to all this different traffic that might be coming in from your third party delivery or you know your website, whatever it is. They can't go in and intercept that traffic and steal information out of your system. Basically, what they're trying to do is protect you from having a breach. 
and and obviously if you have a breach and it's big enough you will hit the news and you know if it happens in california god help you because they're gonna just get you uh they have some of the strictest rules around how you have to report all that out and stuff and a lot of people don't know about this especially single unit operators um and then the other part of that whole thing that james mentioned was the fact that you know uh you know that if your internet goes down that they can flip you to a cell phone within a second basically a cellular a cellular lte service so that you know you're up and your customers don't know that anything was bad did i sum that up pretty good james that's perfect nice and let me tell you as somebody we were just having this conversation offline but i work with a client who's got horrible internet and the bulk of my support tickets from that client I would say two thirds of them are because their store's internet is constantly down. And that just, it throws, it just throws, uh, not only is it a pain and you can lose sales and lose, uh, you know, bad customer satisfaction and all this other stuff. But I will tell you, it takes a toll on those managers because they're not IT people, they're restaurant people. And they are just like, nothing's working. And they're just looking for someone to talk to and they're stressed out. So, you know, not only is it bad for your business, but it's also bad for your managers as well. I'll put that out there. 100%. Um, okay, so look at that. We're already busted through question number one, James. Question number two, what's the big project or initiative that you guys are working on right now? So from my, from my end personally, um, the, biggest, the biggest reason why I was hired here at NetSurian was to professionalize our partner strategy. As I mentioned, you know, in this connected universe, making sure that technology communicates well and um, just everything kind of functions, uh, it's, it's a big deal. And so when I uh, started, you know, I had to kind of create that plan and that's what I'm tuning to this very day. Um, so the whole idea really is just, uh, you know, mapping technology vendors that uh, traverse the network. So any, any third-party application, whether it's ordering loyalty, we, we want to know who they are and we want to be talking to them so that we contact them proactively. Um, that way we can establish a relationship in advance, you know, get the right non-disclosures in place and, um, you know, work proactively versus reactively in firefighting. So, you know, and then from there, once a relationship is established, we try and stay engaged. This could mean just, you know, like what we're doing today, podcasts. It could be me. It could mean periodic webinars, uh, now working dinners. We do some vendor spotlights, which, which means we introduce our partners to uh, our internal constituents, like our account managers. That way, when customer, customers of ours are talking about new technology, we can, you know, um, advise them on some of the other technology vendors that are out there. And, you know, we do a lot of co-marketing with our partners. And really, um, of course, now that we see trade show season is going to be a reality again, we're going to run the trade show circuit. And uh. we just want to be on friendly terms so that if anything ever should happen, um, you know, we can kind of have that direct line of contact. And uh, hopefully our customer never even knows there was an issue. Sure. You know, I was talking to the CEO of Card Free uh, earlier this week, I think. And, uh, you know, he said, I asked him with the next question, which I'll ask you too in a second, which is what's keeping you up at night. And his was just making sure that all these connections that we have to be in, because they do, uh, 
you know, they, they're like a white labeled, like online ordering platform, like Taco Bell uses them and stuff. Uh, but he's like, just trying to talk between all of these different vendors, right? Is so yeah. hard because every vendor's kind of looking out for themselves primarily and they don't necessarily always want to play. And depending on how old their tech is, they don't have a good API, you know what I mean? And so like, it just becomes yeah. hard. And I think, you know, we live in this world today where we just expect things to happen magically with our phones. And what people don't realize is, yes, you go on and you push a button here and then all of a sudden a burger's rung up over there. But there are a lot of people in the middle of that guy on his phone and that burger printing out of a printer that all have to be playing in sync. And, and we are doing it relatively an amazing job of it, right? Like we do such a great job of keep the internet and everything's was built so smartly that we're doing a good job, but it's still a lot of work. And one person makes one change and next thing you know, it all comes crashing down. It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. It's a really important thing um, that we communicate in this space um, and make a point to do that. So I love to hear that. Uh, very familiar with Card3. I love to hear that uh, part of your show, uh, you know, exemplifies that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, and obviously we're, we're technology too. And like, I think we were talking about earlier, like our thing we built offline just to, you know, combat or just to be available when the internet goes down because we are doing food safety checks for people and, you know, they don't want to miss those. They want to be able to prove that they're doing everything right. So, um, you know, we have an offline component, but it is, it's not great. And it, you know, it, I, it's really just a failover. It's kind of like your cellular failover, which my, Clients would never need my offline capability if they had your cellular failover in their restaurants. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's true. It's I think it's important to to have it all. You know, your your primary circuit, you know, the secondary cellular failover, and if the technology provides offline, I mean, that's that's uh, that's the, the best, best of everything. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, real quick, we we mentioned PCI compliance a little bit earlier. I, I know that, like, obviously, if an IT guy in a big company knows what PCI compliance is, but let's say we're talking to a ten or twelve unit operator. You know, they don't have an IT guy, maybe. You know what I mean? Or they don't have an IT guy that's actually like looking at it. So, talk a little bit about about PCI compliance and why it's so important and why, um, you know, just give us a little bit of an overview on that. Sure. And I'm, I'm by no means a PCI compliance expert, but, you know, there's different levels of PCI compliance. So when you look at like a Marriott or a Walmart, Target, you know, they're at the highest level. Sure. They are transacting in the hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars a year. And therefore, they're going to have stricter standards than, you know, a 10 location uh, restaurant chain. You know, sure. they're going to have auditors, they're going to have to self-audit, they're going to have a lot of measures in place that they have to live by, you know, otherwise there's going to be, um, you know, fines. So on the, on the lowest kind of, the lowest level, which is where we mainly deal uh, in is just, uh, you know, we're not dealing with the, with the biggest businesses in the world. We're, we're dealing with, um, you know, small business to, to mid-market, in some cases, larger clients, but, you know, they're going to be at the lowest tier. and really you know, from there's a number of different things that uh, a brand would need to do to be PCI compliant. And it, it's not just NetSurian that will help them get there. Um, so, you know, I would advise like any brand just to quickly peruse, um, you know, just literally 
do a little bit of your own research, but the firewall component is, uh, is an important one. And, um, really that's, that would be, you know, the, what we help with, we help with the firewall and then we'll help with basic questions called SAQs. So we have a portal where we'll help, uh, you know, the merchants fill out the questions just to show that they're in compliance. That way, if uh, they ever do for any reason get audited, you know, they'll have history that they are, you know, in fact, in compliance and, uh, and they'll have the evidence to show that the logs and the questions that have been answered. That's the service that we, that's one of the services that we provide. Um, but as, as the, uh, you know, and, and the PCI compliance framework really came from the payment companies. Yeah. They are putting some of the liability back on the merchants. <laughs> that's really what this is about, you know? Yeah. Everybody's got to have card. skin in the game. Right. <laughs> Everybody's got to have skin in the game, you know? So, uh, so that's really where kind of it came from. And it's evolved um, quite a bit over the years. And um, really, um, that's that's kind of with P2P to P, so point-to-point encryption, um, you know, the newer kind of payment terminals, what they do is they'll reduce your scope, meaning you don't have to answer as many questions. The device and the service in itself is very secure. So instead of having to answer, let's just say 30 or 40 questions, you're only having to answer like 10 questions. Sure. So I would highly encourage any operator to move to uh you know to point-to-point encryption on the payment side uh you know when when they can afford to yeah and i mean you know you always feel bad for the the single unit guys and the small guys because they're just trying to do everything you know when you're a two-unit operator you have to do everything that taco bell corporate has to do you just have to do it with less people and less time right like but reality is you still have to manage your restaurant just like a Taco Bell has to manage its restaurant. And you do have to like make sure that your your providers are, you know, PCI compliant. And you you have the you, that one guy is also managing a little bit of all the different hats that the, you know that Taco Bell has a thousand employees doing. Because it all has to get done. Like if you're gonna have delivery, then you gotta have internet, you know, all those things have to happen. And so it is really important for the small guys to make sure that you're picking the right vendors and not just going off of price, but going off of value and maybe spending a little bit more to make sure that, that you get vendors that can help you cover your butt on some of this stuff. Because, you know, it it's like my buddy said this the other day, he's the CEO of a sandwich chain. Um, and it, it's uh, it, this quote is applicable to IT as well, but he's like, nobody cares about food safety until somebody dies. But then when somebody dies, then all of a sudden, you know, all the days that nobody did temp logs and nobody, uh, you know, did their line checks, those days that seem so free and breezy, right? It's going to happen. Now you're now you got inspectors and there's lawsuits and lawyers and they're like, where's your documentation? And you're like, uh, we don't do that. And then they're like, what? Okay. Well, now you're <laughs> negligible, right? And so now your insurance policy doesn't kick in. You're, by the way, this I wrote a blog on this years ago, but just so people know, if you're not following the basic procedures and rules of your state when it comes to food safety or, and I would suggest that this would go into IT security and all that other stuff as well, it's all the same thing, then you're, you're negligent and any kind of insurance policy you have, they may choose to not pay out to help you because they're going to look at you as, 
well, you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing, right? So why should we yeah. take this gigantic hit? And I literally have a blog on my website. I have to go find it. And it showed like the actual, like I had like in there, the actual rules, you know what I mean? Like, oh no, if you don't do this, this, and this, and you're not compliant with the state and county regulations, uh, then, then we're not we're not going to insure you when you get sued, and that's the same thing with this PCI stuff. If you're not doing the bare minimum, you know, if there's ever a problem, you think you've got insurance, they're going to help you with the lawsuits. If you get them, they're not. They're going to get out of there. They're looking not to pay on that deal. So PCL. keep that in mind. And mo most um, restaurant brands that we're working with, they really only need to do the bare minimum. I mean. You know, they're not Walmarts, right? So just exactly. the bare minimum. Um, oh, yeah, no. And I don't want to make this seem like it's a bigger, like, looming issue. It is. well, but, you know, I... Oh, go on. Sorry. No, it could, it could it could fall down when it falls down. I mean, <laughs> right? Like you were saying, it's it's a problem when it's a problem. So, um, yep. but there's a lot to consider as a small business owner, and they have to wear a lot of hats. Yeah, um, it's tough. Of, of a Taco Bell, right? So... But that's yeah, why vendor selection is so important, dude. Like it comes back to like, you know, I had another guy, one of our clients and he was like, you know, we, cause we implemented them as a part of when people sign up for us, we implement them and we get them all installed and make sure everything's right. And basically we turn over a turnkey solution, meaning it's ready to go, fully configured, ready to rock on day one. And here's your training. So you can actually hit the ground running and, and, um, I know you guys do something similar. You have a huge customer support team and all that stuff. So you take care of people, but like, um, and you make sure that they get up and running, you know, it, that's important. But like he told me, he's like 90% of the things that we buy, we fail at because people aren't supporting us and they're not helping us. They're leaving it up to us to figure it out. So he's like, I have all this software where we implemented it and we just ended up quitting after a year because you know, nobody could figure it out and it got installed incorrectly and then it didn't work correctly. And, you know, all these things went wrong and then, and then they just never used it. Right. And, um, yep. but that's why vendor selection is so important because, and also just knowing which questions to ask too, right? Like where a good vendor will be providing a lot of content about what's important because if you just go for the lowest price all the time, which I is tempting to do, then you know you get the lowest usually you get the lowest amount of value as well and so when you are a small business owner you can't take on pci compliance yourself because you just don't have time you don't know how to do it it's not going to be a priority so you got to pick a vendor that's going to help you like you guys said go through those questions and figure out how to do it you know what i mean so that yeah. you can at least have that document that said hey dude i did this you know yep and and then that's you it. set a reminder in your calendar that goes hey in one year go copy this over and put a new date on it and then mark anything that changed and just save it and take 10 minutes to do that. And then guess what? You're golden. And at least it shows that you did it because in court, what they look for is consistency of documentation, right? That's really one of the big things that they look at. Like when they're trying to sue you was, did you actually look at this every year? Oh, you did. You have the last 10 years of these documents. Okay. Then you obviously were trying to do your due diligence. You know what I mean? Yep. That's it. So it's a litigious society. Yeah. It's, better it's all about due Yeah, it is, exactly. It's all about due diligence and due care. Right? Those two. And yeah. that those are 
those are big security like concepts, like IT security concepts. Yeah, I apply those to restaurants all the time though. Um, okay, cool. We're on question number three, man. What is the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night? Well, this is probably my, uh, my favorite question that you've asked because part of my role requires that I conduct market research in a number of areas. But, um, you know, I've been collecting data from articles, um, specifically kind of getting their testimonial. And, and, you know, one of the biggest concerns that I have in the restaurant vertical in particular is that uh, most executives, they're not well versed in cybersecurity. I mean, even at the most basic level. Um, yeah. And therefore, there's a general lack of the understanding and risk. I mean, that's that's the issue. So if you're an IT professional and you want to, you know, you want to secure your endpoint, you want to install a, you know, a SIM, for example, security information event management tool, you know, you're the, C, the CIO or the CEO is going to make you write a proposal. You know, how are we going to sell more fries? Things yeah. like that. So it makes it really difficult for an IT professional to even secure their tech stack because of this lack of understanding. It's a big deal. Um, but, you know, even if they did, let's just say you were able to convince the executives that there's risk, then it becomes a game of trying to convince the franchise owners, <laughs> yeah. the franchise advisory board that this is something that they should invest in. And, uh, you know, again, unless there's a significant cost savings or it's going to sell more sandwiches, it's really, really hard to get a franchise owner's attention. And so, I mean, I'm, you know, the IT heads understand, um, but they're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And, you know, honestly, without buying from the executive or franchise advisory council, it's, it's, this isn't an easy sell. It, it tends to get shelved. And, um, you know, I'd like to see more focus on that uh, industry-wide. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because I never thought of it. And I, I, I never really looked at it like that, like how you just kind of described it. And, you know, I've always, I've been critical of the restaurant business. Um, the restaurant industry uh, because I feel like there are a lot of what I call dinosaur operators out there who, you know, aren't really like hip with all the technology, you know what I mean? And like, you know, yeah. they're just like, they're very happy because, you know, I mean, up until really like 2010 restaurants other than the POS system hadn't really changed since the time Jesus ate in them. You know what I mean? And it's only yep. in the last 10 years that we've forced so much technology at these guys so fast. And a lot of the guys that are at the top of the industry, right? Um, they, uh, they're guys that came up backing into everything and using a pen and paper. And, you know, I mean, they, they reluctantly took on POSs in the eighties and seventies, but really they didn't have any desire to do anything else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And now we live in this massively connected world and there are threats that are out there facing them uh, that they don't even know about. Uh, just like yeah. you said. And so, and you're right. The IT guy goes, Hey man, we got to get like uh, skimmers. We got to do skimmer checks. We got to do all these other things to be PCI compliant. You know, we got to get these endpoints on and then you go, well, it's going to be 200 bucks a store. And then you, it's a franchisor. And then they go, well, hold on a second. We can't mandate that. Like some franchisors have no ability to mandate at all, right? They can only suggest. And like you said, right. they have to go through the franchise advisory council. You know, my buddy worked at, uh, he was in procurement over at uh, Wendy's for a while. 
and they had like a it was a 20 it's either 12 or 20 dollar cucumber slicer that like did a better job of slicing cucumbers um it, it got a bigger yield it was like more consistent it was like you know it was like 12 or 20 bucks it wasn't a lot of money and the franchise advisory board booted it down we're not making everyone buy uh <laughs> cucumber slicers because and that also goes to i i think that's really unique in the franchise or the restaurant industry too which is the uh the sometimes at each other's throat relationship between the franchisees and the franchisor and so this is a perfect example of where you really should treat your franchisees with respect and understand and don't mandate a bunch of dumb stuff on them because you don't have any social capital to get the stuff that you really need done done and yeah. the reality is is that bob over in his one dingbat location like you know lets his brother-in-law hack in the credit cards it's the chain that's going to be in the news it's not going to be yeah, bob sure. You know, right. people don't differentiate between the subway owner who lives in your community and subway corporate. They look at it sure. all as that subway corporate, right? And if they can't get these things through, man, what a mess, you know? It really is. <laughs> it really is. And I mean, we've seen, we've seen this battle. I mean, we won't say names on this call, but we've seen, you know, even recent battles between franchisee and franchisor. But going back to the cucumber slicer, the, yeah. the cucumber slicer would be easier to sell than cybersecurity. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. People are like, this isn't going to happen to me, right? That's what it is. And it's, it's, it's happening. It's just not publicized. That's the thing. Um, well, I, had some I know where it's happening. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, don't, don't order through that guy's website. Just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to be breached. Yeah, you should just post that blog. I wouldn't order here, blog. <laughs> I would only pay cash in the store for these chains. Wink, um, wink. Yeah. They, uh, I had Sonics. We had some Sonics. We actually had for a while, they're the busiest Sonic in the country on our platform. And one of the things that Sonic does, because they have those, like, uh, you know, those pull-up waiter stations, kind of as a gas station where you pay at the thing, um is they would have those guys doing skimmer checks every day um making yeah, sure first sure. thing in the morning that they walked around that nobody had attached an additional credit card reader to the front of the box so that as the credit card went in to pay for your sonic they could also skim the credit card number and all the pertinent data off and then the guy comes back that night pulls the thing off at three in the morning and he just got every credit card that went through you know that uh that terminal that day so well and i guess you know um yeah so cool yeah i could see that yeah that's so interesting gosh i never thought of it that way oh man yeah i Fun love time. it see yeah <laughs> every podcast i learn i get some new concept or thing to think about that i hadn't thought about before and i'm always like love it because it just that like blew my mind could you imagine being the cio of yum and going, hey, I need everybody to get this piece of equipment to protect the entire chain from, from this thing. But I know these aren't my business, so I'm not going to buy them for you. They're your businesses. And you make a lot of money, by the way. And then I'm all going, nope, we don't care. Bring back Mexican pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way. Because you know that Yum, I mean, you know, Yum makes, obviously, Yum's doing okay. 
let's not all yeah. cry for Yum. Yeah. Yum, but Yum. Let, let's be real. Yum has the right security posture, right? They, they, they have all They're the knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Their tablets are so locked down, you can't even use the cameras on them. So we have a bunch I mean, of Taco Bells, and they like they have these uh, Android tablets, and they won't even enable the camera. I mean, they are locked down. Yeah, those guys are doing fine. You got to do it. Yeah, they are. But, the biggest chains are, you know, McDonald's, yeah. Yum. Subway has got a, a great security stack. Uh, I know that firsthand. I mean, you know, they have the they have the budget for that, and they have the staff. Yep. Um, yep. You know, and that's and, it. So. Yeah, and a lot of times the franchisor they'll pay for it, you know, for these bigger yeah. brands, at least for the first year. Um, but for your two, three hundred units where you're you're running lean, you know, your corporate yeah. staff is lean, you yep. just don't have the budget, you know, to pay yep. for that. So the franchisees well, got it, you know. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it too, it's like we we'll go to talk to people, and you know, it'll be a three hundred unit chain, and you know, they want to go get tablets for everybody, and that's like 80,000. I mean, you have set, but then you go to like yeah, like Taco Bell as an example, seventy five hundred units. Well, you know, going and buying a two hundred dollar piece of equipment for seventy five hundred units, it's not like nothing. You got a budget for it. You know what I mean? It's not just gonna happen yeah. like overnight, and. You have to have a vendor that can supply 7,500 units or something. There's a lot of companies in the world that don't have 7,500 units of anything sitting around, right? Like they're going to have to and, get it. You, you roll it out over time. Yeah, that and being able to maintenance it. So it's again yeah. back to vendors. The, the bigger brands, they have to make sure that the vendors they select have the scale. Yeah. You know, but absolutely. Yeah. Okay, number four. What is the one thing you thought your industry would be doing right now that it isn't? So this kind of goes back to to the last question. Um, recently, I mean, we we keep you know we've seen a lot of attacks recently. Um, you know, we saw the solar winds attack. I mean, yeah. that's 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 some of the you're talking Microsoft, Amazon. I mean, these are some of the best companies in the world that were taken by yeah. surprise by the solar winds attack. So, I mean, that's. You know, and now you have the the two recent attacks that have affected the supply chain. Yeah. Um, you know, so th these are obviously big enough to get the attention of the press. So, um, but what I don't think uh, just regular average Joe business owners understand is there's actually millions of suspicious activities that are occurring every single day. Oh, and man. that's part of the other side of our company and the SIM side um literally like millions and millions of suspicious activities that that's not just hitting large businesses it's hitting every business even individuals so you know i would think that as you see more press as we start to see these bigger attacks that you would get more uh buy-in from the from the restaurant restaurant community that this is a legitimate risk and it's something to think about i thought we would be further further along um you know and they even have dark web SaaS technology now that that makes it easy for anyone that doesn't even know how to code to uh, infiltrate systems and make money doing it. So it's it's I, I think we're almost there. We're getting there, but I thought we would already be you know a little further along than we are right now. Well, you know, I mean, we're uh, you know we have a tech company, right? And we have you know we do everything you're supposed to do from a security perspective, and and you know, we do a lot more just because you know. When you're a SaaS business, security is a big deal, right? Because you don't want to be on the news explaining why you know you got hacked. But what people don't understand is this: 
is okay so first of all they're not going these hackers are coming out of china they're coming out of russia and the old baltic countries north korea these guys are hitting every endpoint in the world every day every second of every day they are literally pinging trying to uh, either do one of those big force attacks where they take you down because they just overload your ports and you can't you can't operate no data can come in or out or they are trying to remote into your servers they are trying to remote into you know your boxes i mean every single ip address in the world is constantly being attacked by hackers all the time you should just assume that now you have these multiple location businesses you got all these restaurants you got dental office doesn't matter you have people in and out of your business all day long and if they can you know if they can sneak in or you know they can get onto an old system or they can just plug something in between the ethernet cable and then put the ethernet cable back into the back of the pos system i mean it could be as little as that you know it's slow it's 11 o'clock at night somebody's got this little box they can run it in now they're in your network and then yeah. they can go wreak havoc in your world that's exactly right and, they, and so the the other side of our company um event tracker protects yeah. against that very scenario right there if someone were to the input uh usb stick um it, it tracks every keystroke everything yeah. any event tracks it all and then it categorizes it and if it's something that you should be worried about it'll it'll alert and we have a security operations center 24 7. there's a couple hundred people that work in the the sock that's what they call it yep. this is something that a small business owner cannot afford they cannot afford their own sock no <laughs> they <know>? can't <laughs> so, so um so yeah and, and you're talking about you know maybe five or six dollars an hour you know you're, you're talking about you know the cost of a part-time employee to have sure. a 24-7 sock um looking over at looking over all your uh locations it's not expensive but you just gotta do it you know it's that's the main thing well and i i did uh in my last company i did some i did some security work for the sock at visa i built like a custom uh I built like a custom application to look for, you know, I don't want to get into the details of it because, you know, I don't want to just not get to say, but I built a big one for the socket visa and like, it was, um, it was really cool. But yeah, I mean, um, yeah. And you're right. Like, yeah, nobody can afford a sock. I mean, only the biggest companies in the world can actually have a security operations center because the security operations center is like what it's like the war games room. It looks like that. It's just a bunch of nerds sitting in there looking at file changes trying to figure out what the hell is going really on is. you know what i mean and like they're getting alerts and then they're trying to understand if those alerts are valid or not because all this monitoring software is doing its thing and uh yeah it's crazy but that's what the world we're living in right now and you know they you go to black hat white hat and black hat that's the big hacker conference and they have the white yeah. hats which are the good hackers and the black hats which are the bad hackers and i mean you know they talk about like you can literally sit at a table in a coffee shop and these guys will put a transmitter in a coffee and a soda can and they're just playing on their laptop reading a magazine and this thing is sucking up all the rfid signals and you know they're it's hacking into your phones i mean like it's a crazy world we live in so having that kind of level of protection is is huge um 
It's crazy. So that's that's really interesting that you guys do that. Let me ask you this question. With your keystroke tracker, are you able to detect theft on a POS system? Well, the hard part for us is getting the point of sale system to let us install the sensor. Ah, so part of my job is is that, right? And I sure. haven't been able to, to make, you know, get too far in that yet. Um, you know, the firewall in and of itself, like pretty much the only thing, you know, outside of the point of sale, you know, what they do, it's the only thing really protecting their point of sale, just making sure, sure nothing gets from the outside. But that is something that, you know, the reason why we acquired Event Tracker, you know, the SIM technology was sure. to integrate it with the firewall. And yeah. that'd be really, really cool. But, you know, we have to build these relationships, get the point of sale companies to work with us. And sure. I haven't really been 100% successful doing that, but we do have customers that'll use our SIM for their headquarters, for nice. their workstations especially with remote, so the laptops, any company-issued machinery, we can install a sensor on that, and it'll pick that up. I mean, I have a USB, an external hard drive, you know, on, attached to my laptop, and I got a call from RSOC, you know, in the first two weeks nice. that I was working here. I'm yeah. Um, and they have it, you know, there's, uh, I think there's a good, you know, probably 20 categories, if I remember correctly, that they monitor continuously. So they've taken nice. all these billions of logs and categorized to make it easy to understand, like, you know, you know, has there been multiple password, uh, you know, attempts in the middle of the night trying to log into sure. a website, you know, within a certain time frame, things like that, you know. Um, but yeah, so the point of sale piece has been, that's been a challenge. So that's probably a, an initiative I need to start working on a little harder. Well, and you know, it's funny because that's the same thing I heard from, uh, you know, the card free guy, uh, uh, John earlier this week was, uh, you know, that, you know, for a while there, the POS system seemed to be opening up, but then I think the competition's gotten so stiff that they're kind of closing themselves back down again. So they were very closed systems, very antiquated systems, really from the eighties up until the mid 2010s. Then they all went on a big push to try to make themselves a little bit more web friendly and all this stuff. But now they've got all this proprietary tech and there's all these guys competing, you know, with the portal and the online ordering and the takeout and all these things. And so, you know, they seem to be closing themselves back down again, which is scary uh, because when you have a, I mean, a closed system can be good, but it, you know, there's too many other things that are going on too quickly that if you get a completely closed down POS vendor, then there's going to be a lot of technology you're going to want that people are going to dream up that you're not going to be able to get. And, uh, yeah. and whether it's front of the front of the house stuff, like just more sales, but, or it could be security stuff like what you're talking about, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And I, you know, this is off topic a little bit, but I think it's really important as a business owner to ask these questions when you're looking at a point of sale, it's so important that you ask about, you know, the open framework, they have an open API and they can charge you for it. I mean, I've heard horror stories where, yeah. oh yeah, we have an open API. And then, you know, you try and select a vendor like card free and they'd be like, yeah, it's going to be a thousand dollars per store on the setup. And then, you know, I'm sorry, but it's going to be about $30 or $40 a month. Um, in licensing yeah. fees. <laughs> you yeah. know, so they, they make it cost prohibitive to use the very best uh, technologies that are out there because a POS can't be everything to everybody. You know, they need to open it up and allow innovation. And there's some companies that do that really, really well. And there's some companies that uh, I won't say names, but uh, there's some companies that have much to be desired. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting because, and this is a slightly off topic too, but I, I worked at a PF Chang's uh, a long time ago and we had had uh, a manager that was stealing from the company. And, um, and so we like figured it out and it cost us one of our best employees. And so we, we went and sort of investigated and went, Oh no, this is what's happening. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And we turned it over to corporate and they were on Aloha. And at that time, Aloha had key tracking. And so they were able to go in and see who had swiped in and what adjustments they had made inside the POS. And so then they were able to build that case within like a day or two. And then they like fired the guy, you know what I mean? But uh, right. it was cool that they had that key tracking capability. Um, and you know, you have to obviously swipe in to get into the register so they knew exactly who it was. And then yep. they could go back and just do that forensic look back and realize, okay, this is, happening consistently this wasn't a fluke you know they built their case so that when they let this guy go you know it was it was rock solid you know so nice that's that's a great story. and you know for everything you hear about aloha in the marketplace <laughs> if you don't hear you know when you ask a business owner about their point of sale it's it's never like oh i love them yeah you know <laughs> it's never the words I, have never I been uttered i love my pos i wish I could yeah get more terminals. <laughs> so, so, but you know, for everything you hear about Aloha, I, I have to say, you know, I've never heard issues as far as stability <laughs> with no, Aloha right. and, and they do have a mature, you know, stack and they, 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 they're very, you know, yeah, they're, they're expensive, but you know, they, they do a lot of things right. For as, for as sure. much as you hear that they do wrong, they do a lot of things right. And I think that's a, a testimonial in support of that. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, no one loves their POS. It's just the way it is. Like, I'm sorry, and like it, because it's it's not even that complicated, really. It's just I don't understand why. Actually, well, I think well, I do understand why is because I think these new guys have a lot better advantage than the those retro guys because they could write this stuff like for the web, and everybody else had like Aloha and Revel and Micros. They all wrote it for like this hard networked environment. You know, and then trying to change all that code over, and then you have these gigantic clients with tens of thousands of installs, you know, and you're like, well, you know, it's not an easy feat, you know, and then getting people like grocery stores to go buy all new POS systems. What is oh that God. conversation like? You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. It's, it's the, the, the technology world is changing faster than the point of sale can, go, can follow. Yeah. It's really really what it is and i mean yeah it's and it's very very expensive too to your point so yeah and all the uh, security and all that yeah it's nuts okay man we're at number five here war story time uh moving right so, along yeah we're just cruising um give us a great or funny cringeworthy story you know just something you can't believe you got through it doesn't matter if it's Naturion or it was with the restaurants we just want one of those stories that's like kind of grown worthy but like how did we get through this? It was amazing. You know, I just want that kind of a story. All right. I think, I think I'll think i give you something kind of probably cringe worthy. At least that's how I felt when it happened. I have a lot of these stories, by the way, but I'm going to keep this one relatively PC. Um, and I'm going to give the restaurant leadership conference a plug. I, I don't know if uh, I, I would, I would encourage any, uh, you know, restaurant uh business owner uh any kind of it marketing anyone really that that's in the restaurant space i would encourage them to to go to trade shows but restaurant leadership conference in particular 
I mean, it's a nice venue. It's the JW Marriott in Scottsdale. It's intimate. Uh, it's fun. Uh, it's informative. Well, um, they have a nice golf event that they do and I'm not the best golfer. So I had skipped the event, but all my buddies hit the tees. Um, one of them actually won a BMW for hitting a hole in one and he's not that great of a golfer. He got lucky. Well, I, I was meeting with, instead of while they were out there, um, curling brewskis, I was meeting with a prospective customer and, uh, my friends happened to see me sitting on the patio with this customer. This customer has over 500 locations. Um, we're having a professional conversation. I'm dressed the occasion. Um, and here my buddies come, you know, come rolling up to the table. Um, I don't know if they just didn't read the room right, but they just, uh, thought it was okay to crash this party and they sat down and one of them, you know, like was kind of spitting a little bit when he was talking, he put his arm around my customer. Oh no. (laughs) Oh yeah. Fortunately, one of my, uh, so more sober friends was able to escort him out of the area, but that meeting didn't, uh, last very long her jaw hit the floor and uh i just that was probably the most embarrassing customer facing uh situation i've ever experienced not away from restaurant leadership because it is a lot of fun that just happened to be like you know the cringeworthy one of the cringeworthy uh occurrences that happened while i was there man and anybody who's not in sales or you know doesn't understand like that event i don't know if that that event soured that relationship forever and you lost the business but these relationships that we're all trying to cultivate here to sell our platforms and our services to our customers i mean one misstep can literally sink a deal and yeah. you don't even mean to do it. You just don't think before you speak. Or in this case, your idiot's friends came over and the guy's too drunk. And yeah, all of a sudden, it's like, that was seven months of work that you just wasted, you know? It really was because it, it didn't, it, it just made the company look bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, wasn't, it was like, is this who I'm going to, you know, think about that. Is this yeah. who I can expect to be working with? Yeah, I like James. Yeah. James is professional, but if everybody else he works with, this wasn't yeah. with Netsurium, by the way. Uh, yeah. If everybody else, I mean, is this what I could expect if I were to sign on with you? And I, and I think that's the key to these these events is, yes, have fun, let loose, let your hair down. But, you, you know, also keep your, uh, try and keep your cool and, and, and be balanced, you know? Um, well, yeah, wait, what are you going to say? Hey, this is the sock team. They're taking a little break right now, but they'll be back in the sock checking those, uh, those <laughs> event logs any minute now. Well, and I've been Don't worry, this isn't, this isn't what it's like. Every, this is not what it's like every day. Peddling, yeah. you know? This is my last step <laughs> of these guys. But like, I've been at that pool, and the problem with that pool, it's got the Lazy River, right? Is that the same one you're talking about, the JW yeah. and Scottsdale? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been there for a conference. That's beautiful. Yeah. But it's a billion degrees out there. And so you start drinking and you get drunk faster than you expect to because it's so damn hot and the sun is so <laughs> hot. And then the next thing you know, that guy didn't mean to get that drunk. He might have. But you know what I mean? Like he just was yeah. at that pool for too long and just like was on basically the, the surface of the sun having Coronas. And all of a sudden, <laughs> boom, he's toast. Oh, my Dunsky. gosh. Dunsky. Yeah. That, was, that one cost me. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, that was a great story, James. <laughs> hey, do you want to plug Naturion? Tell people where they can find you guys and, and whatnot. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, if you're if you're interested in, in learning more, uh, hit me up on on LinkedIn, uh, James Carso, C A R S O. Um, you know, you can email me at jcarso at netsurian.com. That's N-E-T-S-U-R-I-O-N, uh, jcarso at netsurian.com. And, you know, no strings attached. If you just want to learn more, I mean, I'm, I'm actually not, uh, you know, in a, in a sales position, meaning I don't, I'm working with other partners. <laughs> that's what I, that's really what I do is, is foster partner relationships, but I can, uh, facilitate any kind of knowledge sharing and and help you out there no strings attached happy to do that for you just uh hit me up cool man thanks james and just if we have to sum up this podcast i would just say take your cybersecurity seriously look at the right look at vendors and make sure that your vendors are doing the things that are going to help you uh, not just don't go for the lowest cost leader every time, but look for somebody who can add some value and help you walk through some of these things. Because the whole point of getting a good vendor is that you don't have to become an expert in there because they got your back for you and they're going to they're gonna handle it. So thank you guys for listening to the Order Up show. Uh, it's been a great week and we will talk to everybody soon.